We do something here at Surf City that is called five for five. But today we, since this is a special day, we decided to make it five for seven. Uh, and so what we do with five for seven is that a uh, five people, five great people in our house are going to come today and they are going to share the word of the Lord around the subject, God of the mountains and the valleys, God of the mountains and the valleys. And so we're believing that it's going to be a blessed experience and that your life is going to be impacted. And so at this time, I'm just going to invite each of them up. If you can, uh, if you can just help me and put your hands together as each of them comes up. Uh, first, I want to invite uh, Kadeem Edwards. Come on, can you celebrate our Kadeem Edwards? A son of this house and one who serves in the house, especially in photography. Lots of those pictures that you see online are those that he has taken. Praise God. And not only Kadeem Edwards, but we also want to welcome uh, Miss Karen Wright. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's celebrate her as she comes. Come on down. She's incredible. She serves on our Connections team and is one of the smiling faces that tells you welcome home when you come through the doors. Praise the Lord. Not only this, we also uh, would like to welcome my second-born son. Come on, somebody. Noah Henry Beresford. Come on, buddy. The philosopher. We're grateful for him. And then also a daughter of this house, Jessica Bruch. Come on, can we celebrate her as she comes? She serves faithfully, one of our worship leaders here, and serves in other capacities as well, and we're grateful. And then last, but not least, another son of this house, a really great man of God, who actually traveled with me to India this last time I went, uh, by the name of Brian Smith. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God bless you, sir. Come on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Chantel, for giving us the opportunity to be up here. Thank you very much for letting me go first, and <laughs> more importantly, letting Brian go last. I know that's something that he was wanting, and I hope it goes well. God bless you. Um, if you have your Bibles, I have the scripture that I want to read real quick. Uh, Romans 8, 18. Uh, Romans 8, 18. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it's right there up on the screen. Uh, and it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, so I want to talk about sorrow with joy very quickly. I want to talk about sorrow with joy. Um, so last year, um, me and my wife, we had the best day of our life. On September 7th, last year, we had a daughter, um, a very beautiful little girl, a very wonderful little girl. And we couldn't be more happy about having her because um, over the years, we've had three miscarriages. And uh, we, by the time we found out the issue, um, we figured that the only way we were going to be able to have a child was if God gave us a child. And then so he did. So we were grateful to receive that child. Um, and the year, like, it just pretty much, um, it looked like it was going to end pretty well. Um, I have, like, a, a cousin of mine who I'm, like, really close to. And we hadn't spoken in a few years because 
uh, I was watching him make a lot of bad life decisions and trying to steer him in a different direction. And he's a man who kind of does stuff his own way, didn't really want to hear it. So I kind of backed away and just let him do his thing. And I remember in November of last year, he actually reached out to me. Um, and we got time to talk. We got time to, to just kind of reconcile and just be together and everything. And that was the beginning of November. Um, and then by November, sorry. <clears throat> by November 30th, he was on life support. Uh, and then by December 30th, he was gone. Um, and this guy was my best friend. Our mothers, our sisters, we grew up together. We were a year apart in age. And we've literally like always known each other. Um, so in the span of less than four months, I had the best day of my life and I had the worst day of my life wow. in the span of less than four months. And what I learned in the year to follow is it can't really be put in words, uh, to be honest, because I've missed my friend so much. I've missed my brother so much. I've missed him like it's just painful to know that he's gone, to know that he's not here. And it, it really kind of torments me because I feel like if I had just spoken to him or, or, or bared with him a little bit or just known what was going on in his life, um, maybe things would not have gone the way that they went. Uh, and so it's just really painful to know and to deal with. Actually, one of my older cousins is back there. He knows what I'm talking about. It's a hard thing to deal with for us to know that maybe if we had spoken to him, if we had known what was really going on in his life, it would have been different. So it's just been painful to deal with um, but on the other hand, I've had a year to watch my daughter be a person. To watch my daughter grow and develop and learn. And, and she went from like learning to roll over, to sitting up, to, to, to crawling, to standing, to walking, to, to, to yelling, to screaming, to somehow learning to, without vocabulary, vocalize her demands with clarity, you know? And it's, it's just been the, the most joyous experience uh, of my entire life to just watch this person grow up um, and just, just keep growing and just keep learning and just keep developing. It's just amazing to watch. I remember whenever I would go home from the, from the hospital, from visiting my cousin, I would go home with a lot of grief and I would go home with a lot of sorrow. But that would be overtaken because I knew that when I was getting home, I was gonna see my family. I was gonna see my daughter. I was gonna get to watch her be a person a little bit more. Um, and so the sorrow was still there, but the joy that I was going towards was much more powerful than the sorrow. Uh, the, 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 the sorrow that was with me and behind me, it wasn't as heavy as the joy that was in front of me. So when we think about, for example, Christ being on the cross, on the cross, excuse me, Christ on his way to the cross, Christ knowing his entire life that the cross was coming, we can understand that he understood that the joy that was in front of him 
the glory that was in front of him it couldn't be compared to that suffering and the apostle paul is trying to teach us in this verse specifically that the joy the the, the sorrow that we're dealing with right now it's not as weighty as the joy that's in front of us so i miss my friend i was hurt when he was going i'm hurt that he's gone um but the joy of my daughter is heavier than that pain in some way, shape, or form, the joy of my daughter is heavier than that pain. And in comparison, all the pains of this life, as heavy as they are, we who know Christ, we who are going to the Lord, we who are going to see him one day no matter what, the weight of that is far greater than the sorrows that we're experiencing now. They're not even worthy of comparison. So if I could do anything today, I would want to encourage you to hold on to Christ to keep what Christ has for you and to expect joy. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Silver City Church. Good morning. <laughs> um, I just want to thank God for waking me up this morning, yeah. for clothing me in my right mind, and for that I am so grateful. Amen. My scripture will be taken from Hebrews chapter 11, Verse 1 and verse 6. Um, it reads, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence or convictions of things not seen. And moving down to verse 6, it said, Without faith it's impossible to please God, because he who comes to him must first believe that he is and that he is a reward of us who diligently seek him. Amen. What is faith? Faith is trust in God. Faith is the promise of God, you know? Faith is the assurance of God and believing that what he said will come to pass. You know, what is hope? Hope keeps us from giving up. Mm -hmm. Believing that everything will be okay. Trusting him that everything will work out and waiting anticipation for the manifestation of his glory, yeah. you know? Um, a lot of people in here this morning are mothers and I am a mother and I'm a praying mother. Yes. And my desire is to pray for my children all the time for God to save them, okay? My two daughters are here with me today and I'm so happy that they're here. <laughs> you know? And as Pastor Chantal, we, uh, everything is based on mountains and valleys. And for this year, I had a lot of valleys. I've been through so much this year. You know, I wouldn't get into it because it's kind of complicated. But God knows what I'm talking about, you know. As a mother, you know, you pray for your kids. You know, you, you cry out to him and you ask God to, you know, to help them. And you want God's purpose and plan and desire to, you know, manifest in their lives. And sometimes you pray and you pray and you pray and it's like, the more you pray, the more things get worse. But... You know, God is good, you know. And I thank God for the disappointments for this year. I thank him for the mishaps. I thank him, you know, for every challenge that I have this year. Because you know what? I feel and I know it in myself that it all comes to make me stronger. Yeah. It makes me wiser. Yeah. And it makes me victorious. Because I know I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think or imagine, you know? Going, being the, being, this year, being in the valley, it really hurts. Because, you know, 
you have your kids in them and you think that you bring them up, you know, to, for them to know right from wrong. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, they are kids and they do what they want to do. But God is able. Yeah. I thank him. I thank him every day, you know. My desire is to, is to keep on praying to God for my kids, to keep on trusting in him, you know, that one day, you know, they will give their heart to Jesus. You know, and sometimes when you pray, you know, sometimes we think that God is not working, you know, but he is working behind the scenes and we don't even know. And sometimes when we want the answer, we think the answer that we want, God, we don't see it, but God, it comes in a different way, you know, so we just have to take it as it is, you know. So, as Pastor Andrew always said, that every seat in here is a story waiting to happen. So, I'm just going to keep on praying. You know, the word of the God, the word of Lord say, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we, I shall condemn. And, and I know that God is going to write his laws and instructions upon my kids' heart. He has to do it because, you know what, I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop, you know, thanking him, lifting, lifting him up, you know. Though the tempest is raging. You know, the anchor holds in spite of the storm, you know. So I'm just going to thank God for that, you know. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the sweet rose of Sharon. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is the I am that I am, you know. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I know that he's going to break every chain and give me and my children the victory again and again. So anybody in here this morning, you know, is just praying for your kids. Don't give up. You know, God is in control. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He promised never to give us more than what we can, be, can bear. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. You know, he is our comforter. He's our shield. He's our guide. You know, so just keep on trusting in God. You know, and take him at his word. Because everything that he said is going to come to pass. Amen. Everything that he said is going to come to pass. I just want to thank him today. You know, I'm so happy to see my kids in God's house today. Yeah. You know, I'm so happy to see them. <laughs> you know. I'm so happy to see my kids in God's house today. And, you know, I remember my daughter, you know, sometimes when I'm praying. <laughs> Especially this one in particular. When I'm praying. <laughs> when I'm praying. She always be the one to come and sit in my room when I'm praying. And listening to me praying, you know, all the time. You know, so I'm glad she's here. And then my son, he always said, Mom, you know, I know that you're praying for us. I know that you're praying for us. So that's why I know that God has a purpose for their lives. I know that God is going to do something great. They will have a testimony. They'll have a testimony that God is good, you know. So I just want to thank God for the mountains. And I just want to thank him for the valleys and everything that he has brought us through this far, you know. Um... Psalms 42, 
Psalms 42 verse 11 said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieting between me? Hope in God. Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance and my God. So I just want to thank God today for his grace and his mercy. Hello, everybody. I'm Noah. I'm grateful to my pastors and my parents um, for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I hope something is helpful for you guys. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for helping me to get up here and, and bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'll be sharing about mountains, mountains and valleys. My mountain experience is when I went to Subway one day and I got a foot long when I usually get a six inch. <laughs> I was wondering why I got a foot long in the first place. And then we go in the car, my mom tells me to eat half of it, and then me and my brother look in the back and we see suitcases. So then, turns out we were going to Atlanta, Georgia. So when we went to my Uncle Calvin's house, there was presents waiting there. And in there, there was an Xbox One. After that, me, me and my brother, before that, we're gonna save up all our money to get one. It was very good because I was dreaming about it and it came true. Now I can even play with my friends. But when there's mountains, there's also valleys. My valley was when I got an A plus on my math. I really like math for those who don't know. And I worked very hard on it, but then I lost it. And you know those kids who like, say they got an A plus, but they really got a D minus. <laughs> I wasn't one of those, but like. So, I was, I was actually very mad about it. And I worked so hard on it, and it was the highest grade in the class and for the year. I worked so hard on it, that it actually just made me cry. I was just so mad. I was actually researching, and I found that mountains are actually way higher than valleys. So don't let those mount the valleys distract you from the mountains. So that means if you have a lot of mountains, don't let the, the valleys, the bad things, distract you from the good things like mountains. So when I was coming across this, I found a verse, Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. That means he, God can do anything. He doesn't have to do anything that we want, but he can still do anything. When I, I realized that I lost my paper, but I didn't lose my grade. I got an Xbox One. 
it was an Xbox Day One 2013, one of the only ones in the world. So I want to leave you with this. Just because you have bad things and you have good things, don't let the good, the bad things distract you from the good things. The end. <laughs> Oh, wow, my dude said, the end. <laughs> Thank you, pastors, for putting me after this really cute kid. I appreciate that. There's no pressure at all. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Romans 8.28, uh, verse 8.28, and the verse reads as this, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Y'all, when I follow a TV show, I am very intentional about watching a show when a season is complete. And I do this for a few reasons. I like having the ability to fast forward through the parts that I don't like. Um, but the real reason why I do this is because I don't have to wait another week to see what happens next. Um, I get some satisfaction out of knowing that I have access to the full storyline where I can see how all of the parts come together. Um, whenever there's a cliffhanger in the, in the show or a juicy part, it's really cool to know that my anxiousness and my anxiety will be calmed down when all I have to do is hit next episode. Um, and you know, for a long time, I lived my life like this. You know, I trusted God to be my provider. I knew that he would always work things out, but I liked to control the narrative. So I'd find a way to interject in the outcome. But I've learned that at some point, we will all walk into a season in our life where we have no control of how things will play out. For me, this happened in 2018, when I did not have the ability nor the control to make my body keep a pregnancy that it just would not. Nor could I will my way or make my body get pregnant even though I wanted to give my husband a child so badly. There was no option for me to fast forward through the physical pain, the grief, the frustration, and the anger that came with this loss. I couldn't just hit next episode to answer any of my questions of uncertainty. I just had to let things play out. But you know what, there is truth in the scripture that God has a plan and he makes things work out for our good. And when God says all things, he does not just mean the things that we understand and we see, he means the things that don't seem fair and do not make sense. Let me tell you, after we lost our pregnancy, I did a follow-up with a miscarriage clinic. And at one point in the appointment, I had said to the nurse that earlier on in the year, I was tested for lupus and a bunch of other autoimmune conditions because the joints in my hands and feet were severely swollen for a few months, but they couldn't find anything in the blood work. And the nurse said to me, I think you need to see the specialist by the name of Dr. Carl Laskin. He specializes in rheumatology and pregnancy. Um, I wouldn't try to get pregnant until you rule out your condition, but you should make sure that you see him. And so I followed up with my family doctor later on that week, and we were reviewing the notes from the clinic, and she had mentioned to me that she was trying to get me an appointment with this doctor, but his receptionist advised him that Dr. Laskins only takes on new patients after they've had three or more miscarriages. And so she promised me that she would try to get me an appointment with this doctor, but in the meantime, they would find me a rheumatologist to see me right away. And I, I said to her, but Dr. Joyce, they said that I can't try for more kids until I see this doctor. 
and she pauses, my daughter's a Christian, she pauses, she looks at me, she puts her hand on my wrist and she says, Jessica, I cannot tell you how to live your life, but I will tell you that we are only doctors and at the end of the day, we have to let God be God. Now, I don't know what it was about that and how she said it, but it ministered to my heart so much so that that weekend, even though we were sad, we attended a baby dedication. I sowed a seed and on the back of the seed, I wrote, believing for children. That night I went home and I had a talk with my husband and I said, you know, this may seem crazy. And the doctors are saying it's dangerous, but I don't think us having kids is a medical issue. I think it's an issue of faith and we just need to trust God. And so that night we both agreed that we were just gonna trust God moving forward. A few weeks had passed now and my girlfriend sends me a picture of her baby. She just had her baby. She said, this is my rainbow baby. Now a rainbow baby is defined as a child that comes after infant loss or miscarriage. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's the middle of August and it was raining like crazy that week. Now, I believe that God can speak to us in many different ways and one of the ways he does that is through signs. It just felt like wherever I went that week, there were rainbows everywhere. I was in a meeting with my boss and he shared the back of his computer screen and I saw a big picture of a rainbow and I just said, Lord, is that, is that you talking to me? So I went home that night and ladies, I did what most married women do. I pulled, that out, pulled out that emergency pregnancy test from under my sink and I took that test and almost immediately it came back positive. I was in so much disbelief, I took multiples. My husband was pleading with me and said, you need to go to a doctor to check if you are pregnant. And I said, Dwayne, I just can't do it. We just lost a baby five weeks ago and I can't handle another disappointment. The next morning he calls me at work and he says, you need to go to the doctor. And I quote, I am not asking you, Jay. I am telling you to go to the doctor. Praise God for husbands, okay? I find out that there's a doctor in our building and so I call the doctor in our building and I ask his receptionist if he will see me and she says, why do you want to see Dr. Satox? I'm not really sure why I did this, but I blurted out, I think I'm pregnant. And she said, oh, well, he's booked till next week, but if there's a cancellation by Wednesday, I will squeeze you in because our blood work is picked up every Wednesday and you would need to see him before then. 1.15 on Wednesday, I get a call, there's a cancellation. She said, can you come down? They do my blood work and a whole bunch of other tests and he, uh, the doctor tells me that by Friday, they will know if I am indeed pregnant. Friday morning, I get a call. I'm not in the office. I have an appointment with a rheumatologist. So I know it was unconventional, but I asked if he would call me in the afternoon before my two o'clock appointment. He calls me 15 minutes before my appointment and he said, Jessica, I have great news. You are actually pregnant. And I said, oh wow. How far along am I? He goes, it's really early. You're about three and a half weeks, four weeks pregnant, which lines up with the time that we made an active decision to trust God and the time that we sowed our seed. Fast forward now, okay? Because this doctor practices out of downtown Toronto, I end up getting into Mount Sinai Hospital, which is one of the best high-risk pregnancy programs in Toronto. My doctor meets me at my first appointment. She says she'd read my file, and she's going to be asking um, her colleague to walk, me, to, walk her through, to walk me through the rheumatology aspect of my pregnant, uh, pregnancy. I said, what's his name? She says, Dr. Carl Laskin. The same doctor that it seemed impossible for me to navigate or manipulate my way to get, God was already opening that door for me. Church, three weeks after we lost our pregnancy, God gave me my daughter. There is no way I could have planned or manipulated or orchestrated things the way he did. 
And y'all might be in a season right now where things don't make sense and you don't know what the plan is and you're trying to plan your way out of it, but there is already a plan in motion. Trust God. Praise God. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. amen. Praise God. You guys feeling good today? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I want to thank the pastor. Thank Kadeem as well <laughs> for trash talking me earlier. <laughs> uh, 2, Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, uh, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race, I've kept the good faith. Uh, two mountains, one God, one you. After years of dreaming about it and seven weeks of climbing, they both made it to the top. It was on May 29, 1959 at about 11.30 a.m. According to multiple credible sources, including the National Geographic, that 33-year-old former beekeeper from New Zealand, Edmund Hillary, and Napoli's Tenzing became the first individuals to successfully climb Mount, Mount Everest. I was about to say Mount Zion. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Mount Everest is located near the international border between Nepal and China. Uh, it is the world's highest mountain standing at approximately 30,000 feet tall. The incredible and often forgotten part of this story is that these two gentlemen spent years in training and had already failed multiple times on previous expeditions, but they still never gave up. To my surprise, and maybe to, some, to many of you in this room, uh, more than 300 people have actually died uh, on their attempt to reach the summit. And in today's currency, if you decide to take on the challenge of climbing this mountain, it is said that it will cost you anywhere between twenty-five dollars to $40,000 just to climb the mountain, all expenses included. Three weeks ago, I was in Atlanta. Anybody ever been to Atlanta? Yeah. All right, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up. And uh, Atlanta has the headquarters of Coca-Cola Corporation. And I remember my dad keep telling me that uh, in the 1980s, my mom actually had the opportunity of investing in uh, the Coca-Cola stock. And now it's $55 per stock, per share. But at that point in the 80s, it was actually only $1. So for some strange reason, uh, my mom decided not to invest. And um, till this day, my dad keeps telling me, um, boy, if, if your mother would have ever invested in Coca-Cola, <laughs> we'd be lit. <laughs> we'd be on the next level. Um, and just to remind, some of us, even us today, it's like sometimes we have uh, the finances, we have the resources, and we also have the opportunity. But for some strange reason, we don't pull the trigger, we don't execute, because we're, we're too afraid uh, to pay the price. Now, for myself, I have to learn this the hard way. You know, sometimes I'm afraid of paying the price, so I have to learn this the hard way. And to let you guys know, um, I have a problem. Some of you got problems too, but I got problems. Got a couple of them. Uh, I have an anger problem. Now, some of y'all might call it whatever you want to call it, but I prefer to call it as a situation. I have a, I have a situation. Okay, I have an anger situation. Um, some of y'all got an anger situation, just, just blink at me. All right, don't, don't look, just blink, blink, okay. I see you. Um, I remember back in the day when I was, just a few years ago, I remember realizing that this became a problem, an issue, um, when I just had mountains of situations kind of compounding in my life. One of them was, uh, the sickness of my parents. So my mom right now, unable to walk. She's in a situation right now. My father had a heart attack and a stroke. Um, so just kind of seeing that compound. I was working at a job where they're going through a transition. They're bought out by investors. So when, we, when investors are buying out a company, you just never know if your job is secure. 
And I had other issues with friends and just things, the whole nine yards was going on in my life. And I kind of felt unstable. And it was coming out as anger in certain situations because there's so much, such a buildup of frustration. I felt like I was like a human volcano. It would come up. And I remember going to situations where um, I'd get angry for no reason. Like I'd get angry in situations like, like for example, um, if I'm calling a, 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 um, a customer service representative um, at a telecommunications, telecommunications company um, that I will not mention. <laughs> um, you know, I, I get angry for them not understanding that, you know, there's a miscommunication going on. Right? And then I immediately I asked to speak to the manager. Um, so I, re I realized after the conversation, you know, once I, you know, I turn off, I spazz out for a little bit, that um, my attitude towards it was negative. And I started to notice routines. And I started to remember one time I actually went to Tim Hortons. And I don't even really drink coffee. But I had a bad day, terrible day, feeling, feeling very down, feeling very angry at the time. And I pulled up to Tim Hortons to drink coffee. And I don't, even think, I don't even drink coffee, but I thought that coffee would be the solution to my problem. Right. I thought maybe the caffeine would calm me down. Right? right? <laughs> that was the answer. When you're angry, you don't think straight. So I pull up to the drive-thru, wind down my window. It's the month of January, and it's cold outside. So I'm pulling up, and I'm like, do I want to wind down this window? Do I want the coffee? Right? So in order for me to do that, I wind down my window. And I'm sitting there for about 10 seconds, and nobody's saying nothing to me. Have you been there? You're waiting for somebody to holler at you. Like, I'm here. Serve me. So I start raising my, I feel like, you know, I, I got to say something. I got to respond. <laughs> so I'm like, hello! To the speaker. Then I get a response. And how may I help you? And I'm like, can I get some coffee? I was like, yeah, what, what do you want? I want a double, double. Yelling at the speaker. And then when you're mad, you say some crazy things. And I'm like, can you make sure you give it to me extra hot? Don't ask me why I said that, but I said it anyway. Um, just pure disrespect to the customer service rep. Another innocent bystander in my life. I had to pray for them later. Went through the drive-thru, got my coffee. I don't even drink coffee. Um, but when I realized that the Starlet Coat broke the camel's back, happened, um, for now, now I live in Markham, and I realized there was a time where uh, I got pulled over by a police officer. And uh, let's just say my attitude was a little foul. So we had a dialogue going back and forth. <laughs> and... Um, I realized that what I was saying to him, you know, I was denying what I did or what I didn't do. We had a conversation. It ended off smooth, didn't get the ticket, praise God. But I realized after a while that, you know, what I was saying to him and my attitude towards him was ungodly. And this may have been an opportunity for me to minister him. I don't know what, was, what he was going through, but I knew in my situation, I kind of looked for, I looked, I looked into myself instead of what the situation could have been. And I realized at that point, when I drove off and I didn't get the ticket, that the Holy Spirit actually arrested me at that point. And I had to pull over. So it's the second time I got pulled over. All right. And then God started dealing with my situation and telling me, you know, you know, you're not just a, a child. You're a child of God. Right. You know, you have a different set of standards. You're not just a man, but you're a man of faith right. and understanding what Paul said. Now, Paul's saying he fought the good fight. You know, he finished the race. And I'm saying to myself, who's fighting my fight? Is it me or is it God fighting my battles? Right. So God said, why are you fighting this in your own strength? I know you're dealing with something, but you got to bow down and surrender it to the Lord. So once I made the decision to surrender it to the Lord, I realized that I'm not strong enough to fight this battle. Because there's times where you're fighting something and you feel like you're winning, but there are other times where it's actually overtaking you. And I came to a point where the anger was actually overtaking me. So I had to submit to what God said. And I, I remember I realized there's, there's a gentleman I know in, in Atlanta, a um, successful businessman that I met, and he told me about his situation. He has a father, father two kids, um, businessman, and he told me that he actually sits down and speaks with somebody once a week. He said a part of his uh, success pattern and success ritual is that he speaks with a therapist once a week. Right? So I said to myself, you know, I don't know if I want to do all that, but, 
But I realized going back to what I said was that I had the resources available for me. I had the finances through work. I had uh, benefits and coverage to cover that situation, but I didn't know it. It was right in front of me, and now here's an opportunity for me to execute and utilize it. All right, so what do you think I did? So in November 16th, at approximately 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon, your boy checked himself in. (laughs) So I spoke with a therapist to deal with my situation. Um, It's funny because I I was actually excited the day of, which is weird. I was like, yeah, I'm about to talk to somebody. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, But just realizing that um, I believe that in the life of every believer that there are two mountains. Somebody say two mountains. mountains. I believe that there's a mountain of ascension, which is the mountain that allows you to walk up to your purpose and your potential. I believe at the top of that mountain is 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, which is fighting the good fight, finishing the race. But I also believe that there's a second mountain, and the second mountain is the mountain of distraction. So there's two mountains. One of them is God from God, and the other one is man-made. One of them is authentic. The other one is synthetic. And I realized that I was trying to, through my anger and through my situation, I was trying to climb the wrong mountain. So I want to encourage you guys today, do not, whatever you do, do not climb the wrong mountain. All right, the Bible says that, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And uh, for those of you who are going through um, the finalization of a new year into a new decade, just want to encourage you out there to be open and know that you can't do it in your own strength, no matter what it is. It's God that oversees us, it's the Holy Spirit and the anointing that breaks the yoke. So go into New Year's, and remember, check yourself in. Praise God.